If you will, open up your Bibles to Mark, the 14th chapter. And uh, it's kind of, holidays are always great, but now we're kind of in the new year, right? This is when you start figuring out, I got to write 22 instead of 21 somewhere in this month. It's a good thing to do that, right? Some people aren't sure what I'm talking about. They're like, 22? Yeah, the year changed. But mark the fourth chapter, and then we'll get started once you're there. Everybody there? No, I'll wait till you're there. Mark, it's Matthew, Mark. Luke, John, it's in the New Testament, Mark, the 14th chapter, and it's a good thing to get into the Word of God, right? Everybody, what what I say? Well, that's a good thing, right? To know, 14, Mark 14. There is a four in there. Some of these things just help you to learn to navigate the Bible better, and um, or just see who's spiritual and already there, so... As you can tell, I turned the page right then. But uh, anyway, it's a good thing to hear the Word of God and to look at the Word of God yourself and uh, let your eyes look upon it. It is God's book, period. Settled. Whether people agree with that or not makes no difference. Everybody who dies agrees this is God's book. They don't always agree here, but after they're gone, they all agree. Are you with me? And so it's good to come in agreement while you're here on the earth. It could save you a lot. It could save you for eternity. And uh, But anyway, Mark the 14th, 14th, not the 4th chapter, 14th chapter. I'm going to share today and maybe for some couple weeks or a few after called Strike the Shepherd. If you're naming it, it's called Strike the Shepherd. Mark 14 Verse 27 says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. Wow, what a wonderful thing to have your disciples here. You guys are all going to stumble because of me, because you're following me. All of you are going to stumble. What a word. (laughs) That's not the sermon this morning. But that was his sermon that day. Every one of you is going to stumble, for it is written. And he didn't say it's going to happen eventually. He said it's going to start and it's going to happen tonight. He said, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus was about to die. He was about to be struck. He was about to be broken. And he was, and that night, I mean, they were scattered, all of them. Even Peter, the last one, fight to stay with the Lord, and it said he followed from afar off, and uh, people accused him of being a follower of the Lord, and he held out to the end, even cussed. Do you know the story? He said, oh, I'm not one of them, but he kept staying, trying to stay, and then eventually he fled too. And all of them were made to stumble. What's so awesome about this story is we recognize that because he was struck and because he was, you know, crucified or sent off, it had an effect on all of his followers. All of his followers were affected by what happened to him that day. So off he went. 
they ran, they hid, they, you know, even after they were hidden. And, and they just were not like hip, hip, hooray. But now he was struck and destroyed a couple thousand years ago. But he will never be struck again. One of the most amazing things happened in this process of the people being scattered was that he rose to live forevermore. Jesus never can be struck again, never be destroyed again, never be pulled down again. And so then that means there is an anchor to the believer and for the believer's soul uh, that can have a tremendous effect because the shepherd will never be struck again. We'll never have to read this and think, "Uh uh-oh, this is the time where we have to bail, we have to run, we have to hide. It literally means the sheep don't have to be scattered anymore because we have an ever-living shepherd. It means we don't ever have to run off. We don't ever have to be ravaged again. That is the truth. We don't ever have to be tore up by the wolf. Sheep don't have to. And we know from the scripture, the wolf can be false teachers and the wolf can be Satan himself. Are you with me? And so he also tells us that sheep don't have to go hungry. Spiritually, naturally, because the good shepherd will lead his sheep to green pastures, to still waters. And so where they were scattered before, there needs to be no scattering anymore. No more struck down, because he'll never be struck down. And we need to know this, what happens to the shepherd affected the sheep. That is a true statement both ways. Positive and negative. Not only was he struck down and it had a negative effect on them, but when he was struck down, there were other things happening that were going to have a positive effect on not only the twelve and the seventy and the multitudes that followed him, but all who forever after would follow him. There would be a supply, a provision made, and a steadfast shepherd. Turn to Matthew's Gospel. And this was Jesus talking about sheep and a shepherd. Now he's called the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. He no longer is going to be struck down. There is a permanence with him. We know this, that he's steady and steadfast. That means that a believer can become steady and steadfast. Notice this in Matthew, the ninth chapter and the 36th verse. It says, but when he saw the multitudes... Now this is Jesus talking. And what's so wild here is the context of which this was spoken. He had just got done healing people, ministering to people, delivering people, people being helped, and and Jesus didn't go, that's all they need right there. He, He said this, He said, but when he saw the multitudes, and this is after he had healed every disease and every sickness and preached the kingdom to them in verse 35, 
36 says, But when he saw the multitude, multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. I mean, think about it. Getting done healing. I mean, if we saw a bunch of people healed, we might get up and leave and go, Wow, we just had church. Jesus was just getting moved. He was moved for people because he knew people needed more than just what would happen to them physically. Or, you know, if a demon had been demonizing people. He knew it was greater than that. He said this, he said, but when he saw the multitudes, it says, he was moved with compassion for them because, because, this is why compassion flowed from them because they were weary and they were scattered remember strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter he said though the reason why these people were weary and why they were scattered he said because they were sheep having no shepherd saying this that if there was a shepherd and they would be uh, given to the shepherd and be under the control of the shepherd, there would be a change in their life. They wouldn't be weak. They wouldn't be weary. That doesn't mean somebody who's a Christian, if they face weakness or weariness, there's something wrong with them. No, it just means we know where our source is. We know there is strength in the Lord. And we know that the Bible said our joy nobody can take and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That means we can tap into something that the world cannot tap into. That doesn't mean we don't face things. It just means because we have the Good Shepherd, we can come out of weariness. And we don't have to be scattered. If we'll submit to the Good Shepherd and follow Him, there's no reason to be driven off into every direction in the world. Christians can become some almost stable people. It's so wild if you start reading the book of Acts, how the disciples were, they're all running and hiding. After that, they're like, we'll give our life for you, and they literally did. There was no more running, no more hiding. They realized they served the living God, and they were in union with Him, and you are in union with Him if Jesus is your Lord. So there is a supply from heaven that has been given to you to partake of, and it will affect you in every area. And so in verse 36, he said, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were weary, scattered, and like sheep having no shepherd. He realized humanity needs a shepherd. There's a natural side to that where pastors are considered under shepherds. And, but all they're doing is giving the supply and helping people to join together and stay in union with the Lord and partake of the ultimate shepherd. Are you with me? And there is something to be said about joining together. There is strength for people when they're together in unity. In the Old Testament it said how good and pleasant it is 
when brethren dwell together in unity. And then he makes this observation. He said it's like Aaron when he was anointed in the anointing or anointed with oil and the oil was a representative of the power of God and he said it traveled through his whole body well the church is called the body of Christ there is a supply that goes through the body it's in every believer but it can affect everybody that's why it's good for sheep to gather together and then there was another illustration he said it's like the dew of Hermon uh, descending on the mountains and he talked about the blessing and the glory of God coming upon that like dew in other words settling over the whole area and there is something about brethren dwelling together or you could say this sheep gathering together in the name of the good shepherd and there is a blessing that will come upon that I believe there's recovery just if you sit in church I mean, there are people, I've met people over year, the years uh, when I was a youth pastor. I remember I dealt with people because I was an assistant pastor there too, but deal with people. And I remember this one guy in particular came dealing with severe depression. I mean, where you were, he needed hope to stay for a week. I mean, so he didn't give up on his life. And uh, I'd catch him before and after church, and he'd say, he'd say, I feel better today. And he said, the next week, I feel better today. Only a little bit better, but something is changing in my life. Why? Because he's called the anchor to your soul. He's called the hope of our salvation. And when people get connected to the Lord, because he'll never be struck down, there is hope for people. And this guy, the further he went, started coming out of that depression. Why? Because the words we speak, or should be speaking, are not our own. They are words that are transmitted from God in the book, and then we convey them, and therefore they will strengthen the sheep. Strengthen. Where that guy, after time, you know, would have easily given in he started gaining strength not because of us but because of what was coming through that church and, and what ultimately was coming by God's word God literally did a work so people don't have to be weary and run down and actually can have their strength renewed what a wild thing. I mean, you don't have to go on the news very long or on the internet very long to realize during this time right now with this pandemic that there's a lot of people facing anxieties, fears, depression. I mean, severe. I mean, they talk about mental health. God wants your health or your mentality to be healthy. Are you with me? And he's about that. And, and we see that the key to this is having the good shepherd who will never be struck down. It just tells us there is a supply from him. But like I said, what happened to the good shepherd affects the sheep. Positive and negative. And at first, it seemed like a negative thing. 
they didn't understand the crucifixion. They thought, man, the guy we followed who had all these miracles, he just died. Our whole life was in this, and they fled. But he rose again. But it's not just that he rose again. It's what happened when he died and rose again. Turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. When the good shepherd was struck, it seemed like such a horrible thing to the disciples. They, they, they killed the Messiah. They killed the one who would reign forevermore. And they didn't realize that there was a plan in motion to change humanity. They thought Jesus is changing humanity. No, he couldn't really change humanity the way God wanted it changed until he died and rose again. Because he could only do so much when he was on the earth, but he could never get eternal life into them and change a person and make them a child of God. But he has made a way now. And this is what makes Christianity and Jesus different than everything. Sure, he was God in the flesh. But what he did to become a steady, ever-living shepherd means, man, there is power to live this life. Notice what happened. Or we'll read this first. 1 Corinthians uh, the second chapter, and we'll begin reading in the eighth verse. It says, 1 Corinthians 2 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What an interesting statement. Which none of the rulers, and it's talking about this hidden wisdom. There was certain wisdom and information that was hidden. Even the disciples didn't understand this crucifixion and this suffering. They didn't realize Jesus was going to be a lamb that would be sacrificed to substitute for humanity. So humanity could come back to a place with God in Jesus that they had not known. Literally. And so it says this, verse 8, For had they known they would not, and that's halfway through the verse, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Well, it says, depending on the translation, it talks about these princes, these rulers. Well, there are two sets of princes and two sets of rulers. There's an earthly one. We have a president here in the United States. But there are unseen princes and rulers. Every country has some kind of ruler or what we would call a prince or a king or a president. But they, they have an effect on the whole country. And they drive different things. But understand this. This is why we pray for the leaders of our country because we can influence what's influencing them. Are you with me? And what happened here was these guys uh, were acting totally wrong because they didn't know what they were doing. They were influenced by unseen princes or powers in the air. 
and they influenced these people, and they crucified the Lord of glory. I don't believe the demons, nor the princes, because it said of this age, would have crucified him. Because the demons thought, this is awesome. We're going to mess him up. He just said when he gets messed up, it's going to mess up all the sheep. This is what we need. And they influenced those people to crucify him. Those people were motivated by wrong and didn't realize they were actually uh, enabling a plan of substitution for humanity. And when they did what they did, this is what happened that you did not see, that I did not see, that nobody saw. They just saw him hanging on a cross. I'm sure the demons, when he was breathing his last breath, were going, awesome. This is great. The disciples were, had run and hid, and they're thinking, this is horrible. This is the end. But what we didn't see, turn to Colossians, the second chapter. Colossians, the second chapter, you couldn't see this with the naked eye. I mean, for days, you know, a couple of days, the disciples are thinking, ah, you know, as a matter of fact, some of them went back to their old jobs. I mean, that's how they were. They're like, I'm just going to go back to my old job. Jesus had to, after he rose, go get them back from fishing for some of them. Because they, they didn't, were not only scattered, they bailed on the whole program. And he had just got done teaching, he said, after I'm risen. But they didn't understand. The demons didn't understand. And the world rulers didn't understand. And he had been teaching them. There's going to come a time the power of the Spirit's going to be in every believer. He's going to be your teacher. He's going to be your guide. People will be made new. They'll have authority over the devil. I mean, they're going to be able to use my name. It just went right over their head. It just went right over their head. And they bailed, and they're out there fishing, thinking our, 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 our ministry, and, you know, I mean, you think about their dreams that had been crushed that day, they thought. Because, you know, John and, you know, different ones, you know, had their parents going, you know, his mother, go talk to him. Maybe we can get one on the right hand and one on the left hand in his kingdom, you know, and, and you'll be in a place of power and authority. And then the other disciples are, I can't believe, you know, that. Why couldn't they believe it? Because they all were thinking, I want that place. And now they're thinking, nobody's going to get that place. Because all our dreams are dashed. And they're scattering like, you know, ants at a picnic with raid. I mean, they're like, this is too dangerous. We'll just go back. But really, there was something happening in the unseen realm. Where those unseen, what the Bible calls the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of darkness, those unseen spirits that drove them and said, ah, oh, you should do this, you should kill him. Don't, don't let him go free. And they yelled, kill him, give us Barabbas. Instead of releasing Jesus, uh, you need to do this. 
And, 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 and so those people spoke by inspiration of the devil. Literally spoke by inspiration of the enemy. What was that? There were rulers that had authority on the earth, but there were unseen rulers in the heavenlies that were driving this activity. None of them knew what really was going on. I mean, if Jesus taught his disciples and they weren't getting it, if these guys knew, like we read there in Corinthians, they would never have done it. Why would they have never done it? I'm glad you asked that question. I knew you were thinking about it. Notice verse 14, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Having wiped out, and we kind of jumped right in the middle because I want to get to 15, but it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. It literally means when Jesus died, and maybe you have a note in your Bible, a little margin note, it literally means the certificate of debt. The certificate of debt. You had a debt. Humanity had a debt you could not get rid of on your own. Nobody could be good enough, work hard enough, pray enough, do enough good deeds to get rid of this debt. And because all humanity had a debt, they had a master that was ruling them. And he's called Satan. Not everybody, it's, it's a poor thing to say everybody's a child of God. Now, some people say that. Now, man is God's creation. Man is God's creation, but not all men are children of God. The Bible said we were made in the likeness and the image of God. And uh, Satan loves to disfigure stuff. And what, I mean, what, I mean, the greatest thing that you could disfigure, I mean, if, if somebody, uh, I don't know who painted the Mona Lisa, I could make up a name probably most of you know. Does anybody know who made it? Michelangelo? Mike, or just Michael? Okay. Because I thought it was, but you don't want to say that, and people are like, <laughs> no. And they're like, no, and other people are Googling. Uh, is it? But Michelangelo, what if you... And now, this was an image of somebody else, and this image has endured uh, for at least 50 years, hundreds, hundreds of years, and it's worth millions of dollars, and it's only an image of the lady. I guarantee you, if you went into the museum and I would love to be there to see this, and you just took paint and tossed it on there, that's a bad thing. Right? You didn't throw it on the Mona Lisa, or her, or whoever, Mona Lisa, I don't know if that's her name, or if they call it that, whatever. I can make stuff up. And um, her name was Mona. And... Uh, Whatever. But anyway, they, if they would have thrown paint on her, you'd get in trouble. She was the very one. But this was an image, not, not the one, but the image of it. Could you imagine throwing paint on that? We would think disrespectful, degrading to the artist, 
to the person it was the image of. And you think about it, we were made in the likeness and image of God. And if paint was thrown on us, the image, God doesn't look at that real favorably. He doesn't like His people that are to be His images. He wearied and scattered? No. When the enemy is finally removed from the earth, there is no more weary, no more scattered, no more deformity, no more ill, no more evil, no more sin, no more bondage. All of that is somebody trying to mess with God's handiwork, something created in His image. You. And some people don't realize they have to be talked into submitting to wrong that defiles them. Because they can't, the devil can't make them do it, even though one man said the devil made him do it. No, it takes a process to get people to start submitting to wrong, and all of it is to degrade, defame, mess with the image of God. That's the truth. You, one made in the image of God. God doesn't like that. He, he doesn't want you to be that way. And so right here, it says that he wiped out the handwriting, which means literally the certificate of debt. See, there was a debt that made you a slave to the enemy, which ultimately messes you up or someone up and makes them end up in the wrong place when they die. And what he did was took that debt that you could not pay when he died, which they thought were winning the battle. Those princes, this is the best thing that's ever happened. This is awesome. But really there was a debt nobody could pay, and he took that certificate or proof, that handwriting requirement that was against us, and it says which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. He removed it having nailed it to the cross. In other words, when the sheep were being scattered, at the same time, a debt was being paid to change all humanity for whosoever will come to Him. Then verse 15 says this, having disarmed principalities and powers. It literally, some translations reads, stripped them of their authority. Think about that. The devil is a dethroned power because one day Jesus got struck and the sheep were scattered. Literally, it looked like the end, but really it was a change. A superior change was happening. He came to die. I mean, think about a purpose in life. And then he did die. And he dethroned or disarmed principalities and powers. Now when we talk about disarmament, we talk about certain weapons being removed. And, uh, you know, if, a, if somebody conquers in a battle, they take the weapons. I mean, I've watched documentaries about Germany after World War I, and there were rules about the ships they could build, how many people they could have in their army. 
Why? Because they knew they were rogue, and eventually Hitler negotiated his way out of some of that stuff, and then they built ships bigger, more powerful, and now they were not unarmed, they became armed. And their motives were not good, and so it affected. But the devil is disarmed. Somebody said, if he's disarmed, why am I having such a problem with him? Well, come back next week. No. <laughs> Why am I having such a problem with him? If we would look at certain scriptures, we would know, most people know the thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might live an abundant life. But if you read into those things and look them up, their meaning, like when it talks about stealing and killing and destroying... It doesn't mean he just comes and kills and, and literally steals. Literally, like it, some of those meanings where it says to steal, it literally means to offer up as a sacrifice. See, what the devil has to do is get you to offer up things. The plan of God. Health. Thoughts come over a period of time and they cultivate in a person's mind and say well when you get to this place this will start happening and what he does because his greatest weapon is thoughts ideas and suggestions he'll start telling people germs will just run and they'll get on there and then they'll just run up your arm and they'll get in your nose and 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 then that's it and they literally these thoughts and ideas and suggestions come. And I'm not saying there aren't real germs and there aren't real things. We all know that. But Jesus lived superior to them and he was teaching us. But realize this, the enemy tries to get people weary. He will bombard people and sometimes he does it real slow. And just starts throwing thoughts in about your future that are not positive it's a fiery dart but what his ultimate goal is so that you submit to it as a belief system and and then you offer up in other words you don't resist it then you offer up what he's trying to steal as a sacrifice i just give that up because i'm like well you know nobody can really live a life that's holy anyway where did that thought come from? And so we need to recognize here, he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in this death, burial, and resurrection. Now we need to recognize he uses thoughts, ideas, suggestions, and bombards people with them. And sometimes he doesn't just bombard them. He'll just throw it out there. You can't do that. And at first you're like, whatever, because it doesn't control you. But then he'll throw it out there again. And if you are getting negative thoughts, and they're in the introductory stage, you resist them. Because after a while, they get a strong hold on you. 
And people, I, I can't get free from that. And the Lord said, no, I already freed you from that. But what happens is people get set up. And, and why? They need to recognize the good shepherd has paid for their freedom. And when those lies come, that's where the battle is. And there is triumph in the Lord. You know, in Isaiah 14, 15, 16, and 17, we won't turn there, 14th chapter, 15, 16, and 17th verse, it talks about the day when we're in heaven, and it, there's a, a, a story there in the 15th verse, and it talks about how people will observe Satan and say, is he the one who troubled the nations? And is he the one who caused all these problems? And they will look on him in amazement or in like, what? But he's been magnified and has not been exposed in how his work is. And so we're thinking we're dealing with devils and we're just going to pull them out of the heavens. What are you going to do? Pull them down here? No, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but it's against really fiery darts. And what is the weapon of choice for the believer? It's the truth of the inspired Word of God that you use to quench fiery darts and use it as a sword. That is the weapon. I, and I don't believe we should have our attention on the devil. We should have it on the Good Shepherd. Are you with me? One of the biggest weapons he would like you to use is get your attention on every demon everywhere. You know, like one man said, you believe there's demons everywhere? He said, you know, the demon, one demon around everybody? He said, no, I believe there's five. I say that jokingly because then people are like, oh no. But if we knew the Bible, we know that one-third of the stars or angels left heaven and went with Lucifer. That means there's way more with us than them. And if there were none with us, it matters not, because the Word will always prevail against the enemy. That doesn't mean you're not going to wrestle. It means you can win. Sometimes our wrestling becomes more than what it should be because we didn't start dealing with it a long time ago. But that's okay, because we can still win. It, it's the way God made it, so we don't have to be weary, we don't have to be scattered, we don't have to be tore apart. And if we're going to look someday and go, oh my, he was the one who literally troubled the nations, then we should recognize we're going to have a perspective or all people will have a perspective. Could you imagine? I mean, we look at some rulers in some countries and think, what an evil person. Doing this to his people, you know, using chemical warfare, or at times, you know, people in history just killing people, you know, in their own country because of, for whatever reason, literally thousands and millions of people at a time. I mean, Hitler, people think, what an evil man. And he was. He yielded to evil. But when he gets to the time where we're all standing around and he already knows it now, he's going to look and go, oh my, I listened to him. I didn't have to. 
he was the one who was behind what I was doing. And I could have stood my ground. I could have followed the Lord. I didn't have to go down this path. Amen? So he said he stripped the devil. And if he uses thoughts, ideas, and suggestions... Don't think there's something wrong with you if you have thoughts and ideas and suggestions. Some of them he throws out there at first if you're not careful, you know, he can throw thoughts out there to get you to think, oh, this is okay and this would be kind of fun to do and it really wouldn't be fun and he's the one who's manipulating the whole time. Not to enable him but remember the good shepherd gave his life for the sheep so that when things come we can win no reason to be wearied no reason to be scattered we just need to know the word is our weapon he'll lead us into green pastures he'll lead us beside still waters he'll restore your soul that's one of the things. How many people, if they could just know the Lord and start walking with Him, their soul, could, be, their emotions can be restored. But one thing you're going to need to do is know the way to do it. How do you do it? One, cut off things as much as possible. In other words, there are certain things we maybe shouldn't hear and listen to. There's some things we can't help but hear and listen. We can't go make a big communal. We're all going to pack up and we're going to start our own city down below Queen Creek. Somebody said, how about up north? Okay, somewhere cooler. We're going to have our own community. Everything is going to be perfect. No, because, you know, that is wrong. Why? You say, why? Because the Bible said here we have no continuing city. In other words, we don't need to go set up a city. And one, if we go to do that, we're getting out of the will of God because we can't be salt and light. We can't love the world and share the good news with the world when we're hiding. And so the issue is we need to recognize don't feed ourselves things on purpose that are bad. But realize, eat the Word of God and just start growing, and you'll know what to put away. You'll know what to put away. And then learn to use the Word of God in your mouth to strengthen your faith, to encourage your faith. Use it as a shield. What do you mean as a shield? When the enemy gives thoughts and says, go do this, you say, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive unto God. I'm a believer. I don't live unto selfishness. That's my new nature. And the whole time, selfishness is going, go do it. Those thoughts. But you do that, and then you use that weapon in the name of Jesus, or the Word of God, as a shield to quench and a sword to a cost. Not you and others. You know, it's not how we use the Word. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Hey. No. The enemy. The enemy. The enemy. Why? Because you're affected by the good shepherd. 
strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Well, he's been struck and will never be struck again. So his effect on the sheep is now to stabilize them. The Bible said to secure them in every trouble. You ever read the Bible? So that means he can help you in anything, but you need to recognize your part too in this. He wants you to be strong. He's paid a price for it. And you can beat the enemy. Amen? Why? Because he's already defeated. And you can live in the peace of God in this earth today and have joy on your way to heaven.